0: Welcome to the Elliott High Network. I'm your host, Samaya Tosin. Most recent Chancellor, Farrah B, President, Randy Weingarten, WTU President, Jackie Lyons, State Board of Education President, Zachary Parker, and McKinley Technology High School LSAT Chair, Sharice Muhammad, took a tour of McKinley, Tech High School on Friday, April 23rd. Let's check in on their comments, which was recorded by the American Federation of Teachers. I will give my opinion at the end of the broadcast. Check this out.
1: Good morning. My name is Sharice Muhammad. I am the LSAT or local school advisory team chair here at McKinley Technology High School. Uh, We just completed our walkthrough, and we're so elated that uh, Chancellor Farabee and Randy Weingarten from the American Federation of Teachers was able to join us, and our new president of the Washington Teachers' Union, Jacqueline Lyons. We just completed the walkthrough, the facilities readiness walkthrough, and it's a result of a series of conversations that I had with our former uh, WTU president, may she rest in peace, Liz Davis. Uh, and also Dr. Terrence Ingwa. We discussed and I shared with them my impression, uh, the impressive work of the staff and the faculty, Dr. Jones, our AP principals, Dr. Uh, Kimbria Jackson and AP Mel- uh, Melody West have done a phenomenal job in, in tandem with our facilities director, Ms. Andre White. I have been so impressed with the progression of the facilities and how they have been so responsive to the parents and the families of McKinley Tech High School. Uh, since, Ju- uh, since January, uh, we have been, uh, been discussing uh, methods of protocols that would be pl- uh, put in place so that students, teachers, faculty, anyone who enters the facility would be safe. This is a mantra that we have stood in solidarity with the Washington Teachers Union, and we have so many people to thank Dr. Jones and the faculty here. We also want to shout out our uh, State, Board of Rep- uh, State Board of Education representative, Zachary Parker. We also want to uh, shout out council member Kenyon McDuffie, who's been very supportive of McKinley Technology High School. And we also want to shout out commander uh, William Fitzgerald, Commander Michael Colligan, and Captain Zanectic. So um, we want to say that this is a community effort. We have so many people. Also, our ANC Commissioner, Sylvia Pinckney. This is a community here at McKinley Tech. We've all come together to work together so that our students and faculty are safe. And with that, I will turn it over to our new president, (laughs) Ms. Jacqueline Lyons.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you, um, Ms. Mohammed. Again, my name is Jacqueline Poglines. I am uh, the new president of the Washington Teachers Union. And I first want to thank uh, the staff. I want to thank Dr. Jones and her assistant principal uh, principals for inviting us to take this wonderful tour and see the good work uh, that they've done, uh, putting together uh, their staff to make sure that the schools are, sta- are safe for the students. And for the staff and for the teachers, I also would like to thank Sharice Mohammed, who is the chair of the local uh, school advisory team. Uh, She has proven uh, that trust is hard uh, is hard to uh, come about, but if we work hard, we can gain trust with everyone and make sure that all people have a seat at the table. And we saw that through walking through the school today; everyone took part in, in the tour and everyone uh, made it possible so that our students could return safely. I'd also like to thank uh, the chancellor. Uh, this meeting was planned um, uh, before President Davis passed away. and. Um, he put it on his calendar to say we're gonna continue. I'd also like to thank uh, President Randy Weingarten for joining us uh, and making time for this in her hectic and busy schedule. Um, She has been a strong leader for both our city and for the nation in helping us try to figure out uh, how to get through this unprecedented time in our history. Um, I also want to just highlight some of the things that we saw in school. We noticed that um, each school, each classroom has uh, a filter and we even learned that it has uh, UV lights to help uh, 24 hours keep the rooms clean. Each desk, uh, children have their own separate PPE uh, containers so that they don't have to move around if they need tissues, if they need hand sanitizer. We were taken to the isolation rooms, and we also learned what happens if a, if a student comes to school and they're not feeling quite well. What is the process to make sure uh, whether or not they have COVID, how do we get in contact with the parents, and once, unfortunately, if the child is ill, how do we contract contact trace to make sure that the whole school stays stays safe. Um, I also want to thank the teachers who uh, worked hard and fought to make sure that our schools were safe. They also uh, had to pivot quickly to learn how to use advanced technology in order to teach online. And none of this would have been possible, as I said before, if we all didn't sit down and make sure that everybody had a seat at the table. I hope that we continue with this as we move into opening schools in the fall. Um, and I think that this school serves as a model and I hope that um, we get the word out that this can happen all over the city, especially as we think about our underserved communities. Um, we also wanna uh, let everyone know that this takes funding and we wanna make sure that the budget and uh, is, is reflects that and that there are resources and funding that comes directly into the schools so that we can ensure that um, we can uh, protect our children, make sure they're safe, make sure the staff and children are safe. But also we can fight uh, the ravages that this pandemic has brought on to our communities and to our students. So thank you again, uh, McKinley, for inviting us in.
3: Good morning, Lewis Fairby, Chancellor for the District of Columbia Public Schools. Uh, excited to be here today because this represents a strong process of, of excellence and service, but also our commitment. Uh, DCPS, under the leadership of Mayor Bowser, has made tremendous investments in our facilities and a layered approach to ensure that we have uh, contact tracing, we have asymptomatic and symptomatic testing, Uh, We have the helper units in the classroom and the spaces that uh, President Pope lyne mentioned. So there's so much we have here, and we know that there's not one mitigating strategy that will ultimately uh, protect all of our students and staff, but it's a layered approach of many strategies that we're extremely proud of. Uh, So I know uh, President Pope lyne said that, you know, this is a model. Uh, I'm bullish to say that this is a model uh, that should be uh, replicated across the nation. We believe that we are a leader and ensuring that we have everything in place for our students and staff to be comfortable and ultimately uh, feel safe when they're in our buildings. It also represents a strong process of collaboration. Uh, we mentioned uh, today that the importance of the local school advisory team that's been raised up. That's a partnership between our school staff and the community and parents and guardians to interact and to discuss and oftentimes grapple with the needs and the resources needed Uh, here in the building uh, to continue on the path we're on. So we're excited that we have parents, guardians, and staff working together with administration uh, to be responsive to the needs of our school buildings and our families. And when we envision this process, we want it to be just this. We wanted families and community members the ability to walk through our buildings, uh, to have these readiness tours to ensure that we're transparent and people can see the great work that has happened across our district. And I can't say enough about our staff members, uh, you know, the principal here, the administrative team here, uh, the DSL. And it to be clear, the DSL is an operations person that we have in our building uh, that has worked a lot to ensure that we have PPE, that we have sanitizer stations, that we have water stations. All of that is, is, is representative of the great work happening here and across the district. We're so, so grateful for the service of our employees and then our families and our students. Uh, we, we're grateful as well for their uh, support and collaboration. We're excited that we've got students here today in our building. Uh, so it's my pleasure at this time uh, to turn it over to, to President Reichler. Thank you. Thank you.
4: The, um, this is my fourth school visit around the country of schools that have reopened safely for in person learning and we are at the AFT lifting up these places to show the possibility and what you see here in back of me the people who have spoken already is you see the team that operates a school it's parents and it's frontline teachers and it's a board member and it's a chancellor all of us talking to you at the same time because that is what creates trust but that trust has to be earned and there is a roadmap that is clear about the kind of safety guardrails that are needed to reopen schools safely in person still in this pandemic that's layered mitigation testing access to vaccines But what binds that together, what makes it really real are the relationships, are the ability to, if there is a problem or if there is a fear, you may meet fear with facts and you may fear with the immediate change to deal with the situation. That takes these relationships. It takes resources and it takes these relationships. And that is what we're going to need everywhere in the country. The Chancellor's right. McKinley, what we just saw, is a model in the country for how you reopen a high school safely for in person learning. You don't have to have an either or, it's either in person or safe. What this school visit shows is that with the resources and the relationships we can do what every educator wants to do and every family needs to have which is school as a place not just school as a thought and that's why i'm so proud to be here yes we have lots of work to do for august and september We got lots of work to do to help convince people that the vaccines are safe and to get shots in the arms and to have our kids 16 and up get shots in the arms. We got lots of work to do in terms of the recovery, social, emotional, academic of our children. But the last thing I wanna say is let's just honor the people who are working to do that. The educators, the custodians, the teamwork of parents and community and administrators and board and union. Because our goal has to be to rise up our nation and to recover, not only from this pandemic, but to take on the challenges of racial injustice, of climate, of all the other economic inequalities that we see. That's our goal. That's what school does. And I'm so proud to be here. Thank you. We about- yes, of course. <laughs> um,
3: the mayor said the other day, school will start in the fall. Is there any reaction to
2: that? Any concerns? Or-
4: well, look, I, I mean, I think that the chancellor and, and uh, Jackie should answer, but at the end of the day, given what we know right now, we want school to reopen everywhere this fall in person for the parents who want to send their kids to in-person learning. We're going to need to have the summer everywhere in the country to make sure we have the spacing and make sure that we have the protocols to make it safe because vaccines will not have been available for all children by that point. this is what we are planning everywhere in the country the specifics and the logistics will have to be worked out the specifics and the logistics here are for the
2: number of kids who are here right now but that's our position around the country i'd like to add that the uh the devil is in the details there were so many details that i had to go into place to get us where we are here today And so we know if we wanna fully come back in the fall, there's lots of details that we have to start working on right now. Uh, As I said before, this uh, pandemic has ravaged many of our underserved communities and so we have to uh, think seriously about um, how we're going to safely uh, ensure that they come back. What kind of outreach are we gonna have to do in those communities to uh, make sure that one, they feel safe taking the vaccines and especially making sure that uh, those kids who are 16 and up trust the vaccine enough to take it because we have to get herd immunity um, if we're going to come back into these schools safely. We also, as I've said before, this uh, this pandemic has ravaged us uh, academically. So the funds that are available, uh, the federal funds that are available, we have to see those funds go directly into the schools. And we have to see. We have to make sure that we operate our schools at the level we were operating on and more before the pandemic. Thank uh, you. the Weingard just said though, though, that that um, I guess it's up to parents. The mayor said
3: basically it's not up to parents thing. unless you got a good reason. Then the kids are expected to be in
4: school. Right. So let me. I don't want to. I don't want to wade in. I I represent. Oh, I don't know. About three thousand districts. And each of the districts are doing this differently for the next school year. I think that there are some districts who are saying to parents, you have an option for remote. Personally, I believe in in in-person learning. I think remote is, you know, not a substitute for it. But there are some districts that are doing that. And there are some districts that are just saying, no, it's just all in-person. And ultimately, I think that there's going to be both in Washington DC as well as everywhere else in the country as we know how many kids get vaccinated as we know what's happening with the variants you're going to see uh, changes about whether or not there's remote
0: and so I don't want to wade into
4: that I'm just saying to you it's the AFT's position nationally that we want um, in school instruction next year as fulsomely as it possibly can be, as safely and fulsomely as it can be. Chancellor, so can you tell us, how do we get from where we are now, with the families that are prepared, like are ready to come back, and you know, the, the smaller sort of PP is available, where we are now, to the fall,
2: and what can you tell kind of us? anybody talk about the specific challenges? I mean, you, you were speaking about, we saw the filters, we saw, you know, I think parents wanna hear that, like what do we actually need to see change my, I
3: can feel safe about my kids back? So uh, what you see today is how we get there. We get there together. Uh, I think it has to continue to be one voice, one chorus to our families that, you know, our teachers, our support staff, our custodial staff, and administration are all aligned on this idea that this is the optimal place for students to learn. Uh, this is the optimal place for students uh, to receive the supports they need in the social-emotional development that we hear from parents and guardians that they're, they're asking for. Uh, we also get there with investments. And so, you know, there was mentioned earlier of the mayor's you know, announcement around full time, five days a week. Not only is that the expectation in implementation, but that is the expectation in terms of investment. Uh, and the mayor has proven that uh, the city is prepared to make the appropriate investments to ensure that we have all of our layered approaches for health and safety in place for the fall uh, but there's still more work to do, uh, and we will continue to collaborate over the summer, uh, and engage our families on a safe reopening in August on August 30th. And we expect on August 30th, uh, this campus to be full with students, staff, and families, and great confidence in all of the measures that we put in place uh, for a strong opening.
4: Please Just
3: curious. Yeah. So, so there, there are students here. And, and what's unique about our secondary schools is that, you know, secondary students typically have multiple teachers. Uh, and they have very complex schedules because they're taking a variety of courses. And so we do see less in-person activity in our secondary schools for that reason. For our elementary schools, though, we had significant increases in in-person learning. And we have been able to meet demand for in-person learning across the district uh, for the majority of our schools. Approximately 90% of our schools are at the level of interest for in-person learning right now as we're in term four. But the idea is not around just August. We need to finish this school year strong. Uh, And so we're very much so focused on what will happen at the end of this school year in term four. Uh, put in place measures for schools to utilize outdoor spaces uh, to be creative with our in-person activity. We have over 19,000 seats available for summer programming much of which are we offered in person. Uh, that's another way that we see families can be engaged and, and prepared for the school year. And what's interesting about the summer work, some of that is just to get students on campus to be comfortable. Uh, so we, for example, high schools like McKinley will have what we call Summer Bridge. That's an opportunity for students to come in uh, a week or two early uh, to get to know their campus again, spend time with their teachers and staff uh, to build those relationships that we know are critical Reopening a school in August. It varies. So, you know, what's interesting, the administrative staff uh, share with us that, you know, today there's mostly freshmen and sophomores in the building. I think there are approximately 40 students in the building today, uh, but that varies again based on student schedules and also what grade level they're in. Just I understand from just
2: testimony a couple of weeks ago that about 36 schools are going to be, let's say, to something or at least their can you tell us some more
3: about that yeah I think we, we need to be really clear on terminology and language and that is those are our initial budgets uh, we in, we provide initial budgets to schools every year so they can do their planning uh, so they can build their staff and they can ensure that they have everything they need as we track towards opening of the school year but they're just that initial budget we have Uh, federal recovery dollars that we will receive that will be allocated to schools in some way. Uh, We haven't determined yet what that will happen. But also we know that the mayor's budget is not complete and also council uh, has not taken action on budget. So uh, there's lots to happen over the next couple weeks and months as we finalize school budgets. And we're mindful that schools want to have everything possible. They want every tool in the toolkit to open in August. And that is something that we will continue to honor. One one to sure. Wilson
2: High School. Yes. Uh, you have weighed to change the name of Wilson from Woodrow to August. Tell us why.
3: Yeah, so you know, I want to be clear, you know, that's the Lewis Fairby recommendation, but it was informed by tremendous outreach and engagement. Uh, so we provided a number of a number of people who, who gave us their perspectives and views. But more importantly, what we heard is the values of our community uh, need to be reflected in how we name our facilities and our campuses. And I am very confident. I mean, I could, I could go on about how amazing a playwright August Wilson was. But more importantly, uh, we believe that his, his character, uh, his contributions to society reflect our values and is representative of the Wilson community but of course,
2: is it did also that a lot of people
3: just like the name Wilson? Well, that was a part of the feedback we received. You know, we, we received a variety of, of voices and perspectives and diverse groups of individuals responding. So we had alumni, we had current students and staff. Uh, we had community members that just were interested. And uh, there was interest in, you know, maintaining you know, some of the Wilson name, if you will, August Wilson, but it's also interest in recognizing uh, again, the great work as a, a nationally and world-renowned playwright he was, and the type of work that he produced. It was interesting, uh, Ma Rainey's, uh, you know, play was being done by Netflix as we were having this conversation. Uh, so I thought it was very timely, and, and, you know, the types of considerations that we were having in deliberations as, as that type of work was being highlighted uh, on a national stage.
2: We've seen it up until this point that the greatest demand for in person learning has been in the wealthier communities, and uh, the highest number of students who return in person are in Ward 3.
0: Why do you think that is and
2: how do you start, you know, convincing some of the families in other wards to return? Yeah, so there's, there's no
3: one reason and, and for us when we think about equity and access and opportunity is we want every family to have what fits their schedule, their interest right now, and we feel confident that we've done the work, the due diligence to offer that here this school year in term four. Uh, but there are a number of challenges that I can point to. One, that we know that there are disparities in health outcomes across our communities in our, in our city. Uh, and oftentimes, there are long social economic lines. And we also know that the family dynamics is different. Uh, you know, we have families who are working from home, we now have families now that are returning back to work. We have older siblings that are caring for younger siblings. And so each family situation is different. And that drives their interest right now in, in in-person learning or if they would like to stay remote. Uh, the final thing I, I just highlight is, you know, we also know uh, that, you know, school communities crafted their own customized plans and approaches to in-person learning. Uh, so in-person learning looks different across the district. And oftentimes, the way that's being implemented may uh, influence the type of interest that families have in in person learning right now. Uh, but we're preparing for everybody to be back on our campus in August. And you can see the great work that's happening here in McKinley uh, that we're confident in as we prepare and track towards August 30th.
2: Do you think that families should have a virtual option if they want in the fall? I think we have to be open to meeting the needs of all families. Just like before the uh, pandemic, uh, schools always have to be prepared for making accommodations based on health needs. Um, we have to be open to the fact that in certain communities, they really have been ravaged by this pandemic. And so we have to give them the support that they need so that, and, and so that they feel comfortable and safe in coming back into the schools. And that's, that takes time, and that's something that we should start building right now by all working together. And McKinley has helped to show. Um, that they, they constantly work with parents to make sure that they feel safe. They were open to working with teachers who have also had some apprehensions about returning back into the schools because they also have families. That they have to go back to and they want to make sure that not only their students are safe but also their families are safe. So it's it's ongoing work that we have to be prepared to do and I've said it before we just have to make sure that everyone is at the table especially when we're talking about underserved communities and I know my uh, the former president, uh, President Davis, that is what that's what she championed is equity for all and we know that it's going to take a little more work to ensure um, because right now with all the things that I just mentioned, we can ensure that everyone comes back in August um, while at the same time accommodating needs, which is what schools always do. And, I mean, it sounds like things are going well at McKinley. Do you know if that's the experience of most schools or all schools from the district? Well, let's say this. I I know it's a a work in progress, and I know that um, that's our ultimate goal is to make sure that everyone works together to get um, us back into the school safely and um, to target what this pandemic has done to our students academically, socially, and emotionally.
0: Chancellor Farabee stated they have water, PPE, and sanitized stations. In my opinion, it feels safe to drink from a water bottle and I feel comfortable if my teachers have personal protective equipment. The president of the Washington Teachers Union, Miss Jackie Lyons stated, everyone took part in the tour and everyone made it possible so students can return safely. In my opinion, I like how they are going through safety measures and keeping the students safe by having the desk spaced out. Having sanitized stations and being creative by using outside spacing. The AFT president, Ms. Randy Weingarten, stated You see, the team that operates a school, its parents, frontline teachers, board members, all are talking to you at the same time. In my opinion, it's good to know that the parents and the administration are working together to help make our schools safe. In summary, I believe the students from the District of Columbia Public Schools should consider in-person learning during the fall semester of 2021. However, I will hope the option for the virtual learning is still available to students who are fearful for coming into the building. I'm your host, Anaya Tosin, with the Elliott High Network, and that's my viewpoint.